Welcome to the Watch OK Please podcast, a podcast where three friends try to convince each other to devote what little time they have left to watch more TV and or movies than they've ever wanted to watch. Please join us while we argue about our media cues and waste everyone's valuable time on things that just don't matter. Hey Watchers, it's Nine, and welcome back for some more strongly held, but ultimately pointless opinions on episode 80 of the Watch OK Please podcast. This week, we're doing something a little bit different, and we're releasing one of the old test pitches that I did for the show, The Venture Brothers, back when we were still trying to figure out the format of the show. There actually won't be a feedback segment for this one. We never recorded the feedback segment with Scott, because back when I did the pitch in 2020, the show was on Hulu and AdultSwim.com only and he wouldn't get subscriptions to either of those sites, so he never ended up watching the episodes I called out. It's a shame, but it is what it is. Since then, we've recorded a ton of other content, so we thought it might be fun to throw this segment out there for folks who've stuck around for a while, and Venture Brothers is one of my favorite shows of all time, so hopefully my pitch will actually convince you guys to watch it. All seven seasons of the show are currently available on HBO Max, with a movie to be released on HBO Max as well sometime in the near future, so definitely be on the lookout for that. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or just give us a shout on our social media pages. And if you got a show or movie you want us to watch, or just something you want us to randomly mention on air, leave us a voicemail on our Anchor page at anchor.fm slash watchokplease. Alright watchers, get ready to learn about some painfully disappointing super science. All right, guys. Um, so my pitch for this week is uh, The Venture Brothers, uh, one of the original Adult Swim comedies. It re- it started it, it back in 2004. Um, it was with the network for, I mean, up until this past year. It took, they only got through eight seasons. Actually, no, I think I'm wrong about that. Only seven seasons, but there should have been an eighth one. And it's uh, it's been actually one of my favorite uh, cartoons of all time, I think, for, for a lot of reasons. It's kind of singular in its focus um around one particular family right it's uh, it's basically a parody off the old johnny quest cartoon so it's got like the, the 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 scientist father the two random kids and then uh the the random bodyguard but they kind of flipped it a bunch and it ends up becoming this kind of amazing incredibly referential um celebration of failure and so it's it's basically it takes that same super scientist vibe and with the two kids, except instead of Johnny and Haji, you've got Hank and Dean who are twins and with a, a bodyguard who, instead of being kind of like a, a silver fox type like Ray Bannon, is um, a blonde dude with a mullet and a knife named Brock who just murders everyone. I believe he's repeatedly referred to as a Swedish murder machine. And it's an amazing show, I think, even even in the first season, because it was just so joke dense. There, I want to recommend, I, I, in my personal opinion, I think you really need three episodes to, to give a series a shot. And so I wanted to recommend three different episodes. But first, as, as a general tone, like why this random cartoon about uh, the scientist, his two kids, and his bodyguard, why is this interesting? Well, likewise, I think it's interesting for you because you used to also solve crimes with your father your sister and your mother as, as, as a bodyguard. And so I feel like there's a lot you got, you can relate to. From how <laughs> also, 
the uh, there are there's at least one episode, if not multiple, where uh, the two the two twins, the Venture Brothers, the titular Venture Brothers, Hank and Dean, refer to their general genitals as no nos, which I, I'm, I'm aware. <laughs> so I thought, I mean, from that sense, I feel like there's a lot you can relate to. Uh, Dan, in terms of why it would be interesting for you, um, it's got that old school animation style, right? Because like a lot of the Adult Swim stuff kind of was using, I guess, a more modern animation style, but um, throughout the entire, you know, production process, it, they they really stuck with this sort of old school kind of uh, Hanna Barbera esque um, animation style. And it's, um, you know, with your interest in anime, it's it's probably interesting. Also, you have two sons, and this show is about a guy with two sons and a bodyguard. So I feel like this it, it, it's more of a it, more of a documentary and an instructional series, if you will. Uh, <laughs> be it be a terrible super scientist, but still raise Pretty good kids. Yeah, that, um, that sounds like Dan. Yeah. And so, I mean, that, that, those are some specific reasons why I think the two of you would be interested in it. But both of you, I think, is generally, I think a lot of it, it comes down to world, world, world building for this show. Ultimately, it could have just been a one-off gag that kind of just, you know, making fun of Johnny Quest, making it kind of like, you know, a very, very one-note, uninteresting. But... The, the two guys who uh, created the series, uh, Jackson Public and Doc Cameron, not, well, Jackson Public is not that guy's real name, but Doc Cameron is. Uh, so, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> lots of fake names. <laughs> and ultimately, instead of just keeping this as a one note kind of just random parody, they inserted so many references to so many different, like, Random pieces of nostalgia. It's like, kind of like watching Family Guy, but Family Guy was so much smarter. Um, cause the, just the references they make are so obscure, but they're done in such a good way that it actually works into, works itself into the show. So, as opposed to Family Guy where it's cutaway after cutaway after cutaway. Here, everything's kind of built in and they've created this world. As one example, they just constantly reference David Bowie. There's just this constant stream of David Bowie references that, that work its way into the narrative itself. That by the time you get to like seasons three or four, they created this whole world that is weight is incredibly David Bowie centric and it, it works perfectly within the world of the show. It, and the world itself, it, it starts off, you know, kind of seeming a little like kind of narrow, but they add all these random side characters who end up becoming really important within the series itself. And season one, there there's an episode uh, where um, they have a garage scene. And there's one character that shows up randomly for like 30 seconds. And then in season six or seven, he has an entire, like entire episodes are centered around this one guy who showed up for 30 seconds in the, in one random episode in the first season. So they've really built up a lot. And in terms of like the through line, there, there were rules that were still surprising when they showed up in season seven, but they were clear. There was a clear through line. It was completely believable that these things happened based on everything that started from the beginning, season one. So there's there's so much depth to it, and they, they manage to keep everything alive so much. I think it's it's really worth watching and making the commitment to, to at least go past, at least in, into season two. Because I think if you get into season two and it's it's still not interesting to you, then, you know, that, then you might you want to move on to something else. But I think what really drew me into all of this is how much of a celebration of failure this is. Like, this whole show is... It's kind of about all these flawed characters who society expects them to be so much better than they actually are. 
but in, it really just completely understands and accepts that they are bad at what they do. <laughs> there are folks around them who are good at what they do, but like the, one of the main characters, Thaddeus Rusty Venture, um, started off as he lived his whole life in the shadow of his father and uh, is supposed to be this amazing super scientist. But instead, he's literally in the in the um, season season one episode tag sale you're in, is uh, hosts the garage sale to sell all the stuff his dad invented because he's run out of money and can't make money on his own. Um, so there's just a whole host of super villains villains who some of which, as, as I mentioned, show up later that you know look through his random wares and, and try try and buy some of his stuff because he can't make money any other way. He's constantly living living in the shadow of his father. And it's just, it's fascinating to watch the way he's kind of spiraled and, but still with that, he still carries the legacy in a way that people around him don't realize exactly how much of a failure he is all the time, but he constantly reminds them. And that's kind of con contrasted with the, with the two sons, Hank and Dean, who were this kind of like, they start off being um, just these super chipper kids, like who were in kind of Hardy Boys-esque. Solving, uh, you know, solving crimes, running, traveling the world, helping their super scientist father. But then throughout the course of the show, they grow up and they become individual people. It's kind of, it's a, there's real growth throughout the entire series. So I think if you're, if you're looking for some, a uh, show that's smart, smartly written, it's constantly referencing things that you'll kind of randomly get. I think this is a good show for that because it, it, it brings up random stuff that like you just, they're kind of sitting in the back in the back of your head, and you're like, "I totally remember that cereal," like, and they'll randomly reference the cereal from the '90s. Um, the, the the three episodes that I recommend from season one, and I think season one is a good place to start because if you jump into season two or jump ahead, um, there's some specific turns that actually are pretty good to uh, will get ruined ultimately. The first episode I'd recommend uh, is Ghost of the Sargasso. That's the episode that I first saw, which is out of order. It was, I, I think, it was later in the later in season one. But I just happened to be flipping channels one night and found it. And it's essentially that episode is was probably the first episode where they got really into the Bowie references. There's literally a Major Tom, an Action Man. I think they basically recite the lyrics to Space Oddity at some point within the context of the episode. And there's the the episode itself is just so joke dense. Um, and it works within the realm of the show because it's, it's so, there's such a, a demonstrable disconnect from reality of the venture family. Like, cause they're used to living in this super scientist world where it's perfectly normal to jet off to Egypt and, and fight through a house of mummies while there are other folks just living their lives and doing perfectly normal things going like, why, do you, why do you think it's normal that you keep random, keep randomly getting kidnapped and then having to be saved by a bodyguard? And then. That episode uh, between that and the the, the ships and, and discovering Major Tom and you know there's a, like a Scooby Doo element of, of deconstruction of you know the usual reveals of Scooby Doo villains that that was the one that got me hooked just the fact that they'd spent that much time going into referencing David Bowie in an episode was for me it's it absolutely brilliant that was followed up with another episode uh, that the next one I saw was Are You There God It's Me Dean which is basically revolves around procedural tactics, union rules, and testicular torsion. Um, because in that episode, you get to see um, 
the characters kind of deal with the fact they live in this world where there's actually a, um, a super villain union that's worked out rules with the, uh, you know, with the super scientists and the heroes of the world. And so there's actually a very intricate regulatory structure for dealing with things like uh, in the middle of some, an archvillain's plot to murder their, the, the person they're arching because it all revolves around someone getting hurt in the middle of something and them actually having to go call a timeout. You can literally yell timeout while being suspended over a, um, a lake of piranhas or it's a, it's a river in the Amazon that might have, might have piranhas. It might have um, uh, the candira, but it's just the, the fact that they, you know, they use this trope where normally it would just be accepted that you, you see folks like in, in these, you know, dangerous situations with their arch nemesis and, um, and you, the action would never just stop and there would be no, there would be no rules around it. This stuff's been going on for so long in this world. Like they actually, they take it apart and they show, oh no, there has to be a structure around all this stuff. And there's lots of little random loopholes that you can pull to, to get out of being arched for the day. And granted, it, it all involves testicular torsion, which is a painful subject for myself and probably the two of you as well. But just the, the way they approach it and, and the way that they ultimately intersplice all these random stupid arguments about like about random things like smurfs and, and other things like that while still living within this this reality that they're actually super scientists and arch villains fighting each other it's amazing and then the, the third episode was the one i mentioned earlier that tag sale you're in which is it's just a relentless like a lot of their episodes just relentless with the jokes everything's so joke dense it reminds me of community in a sense and that it's just, or the Simpsons, it's just joke after joke after joke. It get like, they're so piled on top of each other. It's so, like, you have to watch the episodes a couple of times to really get everything because you're probably cracking up so much from the first joke that you, you miss the one that came a split second after. And just watching someone like a super scientist with all these random, amazing invention, inventions, just selling them off at like a random garage sale that, and a garage sale that has to be like manned by all these bodyguards. Uh, to make sure that nobody actually like buys anything that will help them destroy and or take over the world. It, it, it just it works so well because all these enemies of Dr. Venture show up and they try to buy stuff. And it's, just, it, but at the same time, it's literally just a garage sale because next to the shrink ray, you also have like a bunch of old magazines and a bunch of old records. The juxtaposition of all that stuff works really well. Everything, everyone plays everything really straight. And I think it's amazing. And, that's why I think you guys should watch the venture product. So I, ha- I have to ask one quick question, and before I guess I want to I want to get Scott to jump on this. I think I think he's aching to do so in a moment. The fact that there's no horrible cultural stereotype in Haji might make this a watch just by itself. <laughs> That's true. That really helped a lot. So do you think the first season is? would be the best to introduce people who've never seen it before, as opposed to some of the other seasons. Absolutely. Because there's, there are twists that work into season two that if you don't have the background from season one, they don't, it doesn't make as much sense. So that's one you have to watch from the beginning. So it really sounds like they, they build things up like as the series goes along. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I think that's huge. I mean, cause I think that not a lot of people do that. They, they, they come out with a, a gimmick, if you will or a hook and they say, Oh, this is going to be so good. You know, if you're on, like I say, a reality show or a game show, right. You, you can go into different episodes. And the, since the premise is explained, 
uh, at the beginning of everyone as, as Scott has told us in the past, basically, you know, that's one thing. But here, basically, if you're world building, like you, it was a term you mentioned, I think that that's a huge, huge thing, basically. And, and you know, that that's really, you know, again, in animation, that's very challenging when you don't have a universe pre-built, say, a la Clone Wars or a la, you know, if you want to dig into anime, there's a dozen properties from Gundam to Tenshi Muyo to Sailor Moon to Dragon Ball's Dragon Ball. There's all these different ones that have these universes pre-built out. One Piece, uh, Naruto, you know, they, they, these are all have universes that are pre-built out already, you know, where they can say, okay, well, I'm going to play in this universe. So I don't have to worry about the framework. I just have to worry about basically the the story, the microcosm of the story that's being represented in this episode, season, series, basically. So it's with this, basically, when you're building like that, it's, it's a very big challenge, especially in animation, because you have to literally storyboard everything and then you basically have to be able to hand it over to the animation team and have them do it. So that explains the seven seasons in basically 15 years. Animation now is not the same as it was just in four, from my understanding. And that, you know, production would take twice as long as it does now, probably almost. Yeah, that, that was a big part of it. And the other thing is just those two writers were almost every single episode, like the two creators. So it wasn't like there was a whole room or a team of writers. Everything just came primarily from these two guys just literally like riffing back and forth and and coming up with this massive universe of characters because by, by the time you get to season seven like it's hard to keep track of everybody because they keep intro introducing things and they're definitely references to other you know external properties like they they reference like the dc universe they reference the marvel universe all this stuff and they all work it in and it's it's all referenced and, and they do it in such a playful funny way i mean they even get they get into the gi joe universe at some point, it, it get they're, they're very direct references to that, which kind of gets amazing. And it, there's so many random turns they that they, make, they found ways to keep it fresh season after season. I think. And so, it, is it like a, is there a continuous story throughout each episode, or is it uh, is each each individual episode more self-contained? Uh, so. Th- it depends. There there are a couple episodes, especially sort of towards the beginning, that are all self-contained. There's one episode that's the middle episode of a trilogy, but you never get to see the first or third episode. <laughs> um, that's torture, man. That's it. Uh, it's 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 brilliant, but and I, I hate I don't want to spoil it too much, but it's it just it's well done. So that there are a, a, a number of like you know sort of self-contained episodes, but Sometimes, often, those self-contained episodes do come into play in later episodes, so they kind of get referenced back. So that's why with the first season, you can see it out of order a little bit, and it's still okay, because a lot of those are not part of it, a specific through line, except for, like, the last two episodes of the first season. But after season one, then there's very, there's a lot more of a direct through line between the episodes. I think it kind of seems like they were like, okay, wow, they made, let us make a set, second season. Holy crap. <laughs> and it happened for five more seasons. Yep. Six. <laughs> yep. It's brilliant. Oh, yeah. There is a campaign to, to bring it back, to br- bring it back for the eighth season because the seventh season ended kind of on a, a bit of a cliffhanger. There were a bunch of unanswered questions. And they got randomly canceled. And fingers crossed that it comes back. But, and it, so, they didn't just, you know, cut to black randomly at the end. <laughs> Actually, no. There's it's spoiling. Yeah, it was it was it was it was mostly in jest, honestly. <laughs> but like, 
I was genuinely surprised by uh, the end of the the, the the most recent season. And it's funny because I, I spoke to my wife about it and she had kind of seen that she wasn't as into it and she kind of had not watched it. And and then she's like, that's obvious. I kind of, it, when she when I told her about the, the end of the of season seven, she's like, yeah, I've seen like three episodes. I knew that's how it was going to work because they pulled it together. So if you've been paying enough attention, you can figure it out. But they they do it so well that um, it still catches you by surprise if you're a fan or you're dumb like me. So and you just want to buy into it and enjoy the enjoy well, the process. There, there's that there's that uh the the common like you know uh thing that a lot of writers like to talk about about well, what kind of storyteller are you? You know, are you the kind of person basically that has a beginning and an end point and then has to basically trudge through everything to make it kind of connect? Or are you the kind of person basically that starts off all these threads, if you will, and then have to somehow tie the threads in at the end? So there's like these two types of storytellers out there that have like, you know, different ways of, you know, constructing the, the narrative, if you will. And I think it's it's fascinating to hear that, you know, that there, that it seems to me basically it's like by having two writers on this, it's almost as if basically one of them clearly had a vision of where this was going to go, obviously, right? But then another person might have been really kind of focused on these threads. And so kind of by having, you know, I think that this is what I think really a lot, what a lot of successful writers out there, I think, have is they might have a little bit of both. They're, they're, they're doing the world building, they're creating these threads, but they also have an end goal and clear end goal in mind. And then sometimes you just have uh, people that don't know how or when to finish like, uh, like, like George R.R. R. Martin. So That's true. Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing this because I literally knew nothing about this show um, before Nyan's uh, introduction. And uh, so now having this kind of framework to, to think about what it might be like and then to actually watch it and see how similar or different it is from how I imagined it would be like uh, should be pretty interesting. Yeah. Awesome. I can mention to check it out. You actually, this is, yes, you will do Oh, this. yeah. I'll, 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 I'll check it out, you know. <laughs> I'll, you will do this. It, this is, I don't think this is something I would have sought out on my own, but you know, um, this, that's what this show is about, right? So uh, I'm willing yeah. to give it a shot. Exactly. So one quick, quick question: Do you because we, we recommend any kind of extra support in the form of uh, jock strap and groin cup combination to avoid the the pain of the the testicular torsion you're talking about before? Oh uh, yeah, I'm not a urologist, okay. so no, I'm not give you any medical advice. I hope that um, doesn't happen when you watch the show. You know what? I it didn't, which was great. But on that episode, I think they actually created a companion <laughs> website about testicular torsion. If I remember, <laughs> wow. Correctly. See, that's that. that I think that tie-in. This is again. This is thought, man. This is thought process here. Yeah, this, the level of detail these guys put into this—it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. I think it's going to be worth to watch. You guys can check it out on Hulu. Um, there's actually, they used to have all the episodes up on Adult Swim, but now I think they only have one or two seasons. But there's a constant marathon streaming, so you can even pop in and out of episodes, which I realize makes less sense, but I think it's on one of their, their regular streams. They've just got it going on constantly. So you can even dip in and out of it and take a sample. It might not make sense, but it will be fun. It's usually, like, that's the, the best part. Like, the writing is is so sharp that you'll still you'll still enjoy it. It just won't make any sense. <laughs> All right, let's give it a shot. Fair enough. Let's venture awesome. forward. Ha!
Well, that happened, folks, which uh, brings us to the end of another episode of the Watch OK, Please podcast. We hope you had a good time listening to us spout more nonsense today and hope you join us next week for another exercise in futility. In the meantime, please rate and review us on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or just tell a friend about us. Until next week, keep on watching.